0: Well, hello, and welcome to Faith Life 365. This is podcast number 14. My name is Tim Hardison. We are talking about hindrances to faith. If you missed past podcasts, you can go back and listen and get caught up with us. So in podcast 13, we continued talking about how a lack of understanding of the New Covenant is a hindrance to our faith, and that was part four. Now in part four, we talked about the New Covenant beginning with the Passover meal or the Seder meal. Now in this podcast, which is part five, we're going to pick up where we left off with the Seder meal and the Last Supper. Now let's pray and uh, jump right in. So Father God, we come before you now in the name of the Lord Jesus. Father, we thank you. We praise you for all of the many blessings that you give us on a daily basis, Father. Father, we thank you for your word, and we pray that you will open our eyes that we may see and our ears that we may hear as we study your word today. Father, renew our minds. Give us knowledge, wisdom, and understanding. Grow our faith now as we hear and study your word. Amen and amen. All right. So we left off last podcast talking about the Passover Seder meal. Now let's look at the Last Supper. In the last podcast, we read Mark 14, verses 12 through 16, about Jesus sending the disciples to find and set up the room for the Passover meal. The apostles Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John Each give us an accounting of the Last Supper. So if we look at the Last Supper in the context of a Passover meal or a Seder meal, we can better see what was happening in the upper room. So remember, all the disciples were Jewish men. They grew up celebrating Passover their whole life. They fully understood the meaning of the Seder meal and the symbolism each part of the meal had. Now Luke chapter 22 verses 14 through 18 When the time came, Jesus and the apostles sat down together at the table. And Jesus said, I have been very eager to eat this Passover meal with you before my suffering begins. For I tell you now that I will not eat this meal again until its meaning is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Then he took a cup of wine and gave thanks to God for it. Then he said, Take this and share it among yourselves, for I will not drink wine again until the kingdom of God has come. Now, this cup of wine is the first cup of the Seder meal, which is the cup of sanctification. So as you picture this, they are all sitting, most likely on cushions on the floor, leaning back on their left as they drink. Now, contrary to the paintings we often see of the Last Supper, they did not sit upright in chairs at a dinner table as we do. Uh, They certainly wouldn't have all been on the same side. They would have sat on cushions uh, on the floor with a low table, uh, if there even was a table and would have most likely sit pretty close together surrounding the table uh, or the room. Now, John chapter 13, verses 2 through 30 of the New Living Translation. So it was time for supper, and the devil had already prompted Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything, and that he had come from God and would return to God. So he got up from the table, took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist, and poured water into a basin. Then he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel he had around him. Now when Jesus came to Simon Peter, Peter said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? And Jesus replied, you don't understand now what I'm doing, but someday you will. No, Peter protested, you will never ever wash my feet. Well, Jesus replied, well, unless I wash you, You won't belong to me. Simon Peter exclaimed, Then wash my hands, my head as well, Lord, not just my feet. Well, Jesus replied, A person who has bathed all over does not need to wash except for the feet to be entirely clean. And you disciples are clean, but not all of you. For Jesus knew who would betray him. That is what he meant when he said, Not all of you are clean. After washing their feet, he put on his robe again and sat down and asked, Do you understand what I was doing? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right because that's what I am. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash others' feet. I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. I tell you the truth. Slaves are not greater than their master, nor is the messenger more important than the one who sends the message. Now that you know these things, God will bless you for doing them. After the first cup of wine... Is customary for the host to ceremonially wash his hands. Now, Jesus got up and broke from tradition. He washed the disciples' feet. Jesus was the rabbi, the Messiah. This prompted Peter to exclaim, No, you, you'll never wash my feet. This was, this was a break from tradition. The master wasn't supposed to wash the feet of the student. And this was not a part of the traditional meal. Let's continue reading in verse 18. It says, I am not saying these things to all of you. I know the ones I have chosen. But this fulfills the scripture that says, The one who eats my food has turned against me. I tell you this beforehand so that when it happens, you will believe that I am the Messiah. I tell you the truth. Anyone who welcomes my messenger is welcoming me. And anyone who welcomes me is welcoming the Father who sent me. Now Jesus was deeply troubled and he exclaimed, I tell you the truth, one of you will betray me. The disciples looked at each other wondering whom he could mean. The disciple Jesus loved was sitting next to Jesus at the table. Simon Peter motioned to him to ask, who's he talking about? So that disciple leaned over to Jesus and asked, Lord, who is it? And Jesus responded, it is the one to whom I give the bread I dip in the bowl. And when he had dipped it, he gave it to Judas, son of Simon Iscariot. Well, when Judas had eaten the bread, Satan entered into him. Then Jesus told him, hurry and do what you're going to do. None of the others at the table knew what Jesus meant. Since Judas was their treasurer, some thought Jesus was telling him to go and pay for the food or to give some money to the poor. So Judas left at once, going out into the night. We are reading from the Gospel of John, and it's it's kind of funny to me how the Apostle John refers to himself as the disciple Jesus loved. Yes, we are all disciples here, but, well, Jesus loves me the most. (laughs) It's just, anyway... Uh, so it was an obvious shock to the disciples when jesus told them that one of them would betray them peter is motioning to john to ask him who it is who is it keep in mind you know peter's a pretty tough guy these fishermen guys they're they're tough guys they're not just just little wimpy guys but he will later that same evening i believe attempt to kill a soldier who's uh, taken jesus into custody uh, but the soldier uh, either ducks or you know moves quick enough or maybe Peter misses his mark, but he ends up cutting off his ear instead of killing him. I believe Peter wanted to know because he was going to give a good old-fashioned whooping to whoever it was. Well, Jesus answers and says, it's the one whom I give the bread I dip in the bowl. Now, other versions say the one whom dips from my bowl. In the traditional Seder meal, they would be at the part where the second cup of wine is poured, which is the cup of plagues. The bitter herbs are also eaten at this time. Uh, matzah bread would be broken and dipped or sopped into the bitter herbs and eaten. Now the bitter herbs represent slavery and suffering. It would be appropriate that Judas would sop from Jesus' bowl to symbolize sharing in his suffering. There's also a second washing that takes place around this time before or after the bitter herbs. It's right in that time frame. Now, Matthew chapter 26, verse 26. And as they were eating, Jesus took bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body. Now Luke's account in Luke chapter 22, verse 19 says of the New Living Translation, he took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and gave it to the disciples saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Matthew's account says they were all eating. Now this indicates they were eating or just finishing the main course of the meal. The bread Jesus broke and passed around to all would have been the Aphecomen. This was the piece of bread that would have been taken from the middle, representative of Isaac or the son, and broken and hidden. Now, if you recall from the previous podcast, let's just recap this real quick. And we're talking about the, that part of it. So three pieces of matzah are stacked together. The matzah is unleavened bread. It's very thin. It's much like a saltine cracker with no salt or leaven, but is much larger. Now, if you examine matzah bread, you'll notice it has the appearance of being striped, pierced, or perforated. Now, three pieces of matzah represent Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Some refer to Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The middle piece of matzah is representing Isaac, or the son. Now, it's taken out and broken. The smaller piece is placed back in the middle of those and placed back into the, 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 the plate. The larger piece is wrapped in a white linen cloth and hidden symbolizing being buried somewhere in the room. Now, this piece is called the Aphikomen. Now, according to Jewish scholar David Dalby, Aphikomen is actually a Greek word meaning the coming one. Now, other definitions say it means after dinner or that which comes after. Some say dessert. Jesus took the bread that would have been wrapped in linen and buried or hidden. He took the bread that was representative of the broken body pierced and striped, wrapped in linen, and buried. He took the bread that was representative of Isaac, whom God called Abraham to offer up as a burnt offering. Because of Abraham's faithfulness, God was bound to his covenant with Abraham. Remember, Abraham told Isaac that God would provide his own lamb. Well, Jesus took this bread and said, This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. He identified himself as the Lamb of God that is sacrificed for all sin. And the disciples fully understood this. You know, I've heard others teach, you know, that the disciples were confused that, that Jesus wanted them to eat of his flesh and drink of his blood. You know, they, they were having none of that. I, ju- I just, I don't believe this teaching. Uh, these were Jewish men, they partook of the Seder meal every year. I think that line of thinking is down our Western thinking because we didn't understand this this meal unless you have some Jewish background uh we're not taught this we don't understand this but they did so i fully believe they knew exactly what jesus was saying and demonstrating to them when he when he did this now luke chapter 22 verse 20 of the new living translation after supper he took another cup of wine and said this cup is the new covenant between god and his people an agreement confirmed with my blood which is poured out as a sacrifice for you This is the third cup of wine that is taken after supper. The third cup of wine is the cup of redemption. Jesus said, I am the Redeemer. I am the new covenant between God and his people. This is my blood which is poured out as a sacrifice for you. Again, the disciples knew exactly what Jesus meant. He fully proclaimed to them at the Last Supper through the Seder meal that he was the Messiah. He was demonstrating to them through this meal that they partook of every year, that he was the Lamb, the Anointed One, the Messiah. Mark chapter 14, verses 26 through 31 of the English Standard Version. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. And Jesus said to them, You will fall away, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. But after I am raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. Peter said to him, Even though they all fall away, I will not. And Jesus said to him, truly, I tell you this very night before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. But he said emphatically, if I must die with you, I will not deny you. And they all said the same. At the end of the Seder meal, everyone sings Psalms 113 to 118, the praise Psalms. The scripture tells us Jesus and the disciples sang a hymn before going down to the Mount of Olives. This is directly in line with the Seder meal at Passover. Now, there's no mention of a fourth cup in the Scriptures at the Last Supper. There was no direct mention of the second cup either. Now, if you look at all four Apostle accounts, it seems very clear Jesus and the disciples were eating the Seder meal for Passover. Jesus clearly identified Himself as the Lamb. He clearly said, the bread represented his body, and the wine represented his blood, which would be poured out as a sacrifice for us. The fourth cup is the cup of completion. Jesus said, I will not partake of the fruit of the vine again until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. That sounds very much like a cup of completion to me. <laughs> oh, me. Now, can you imagine partaking in communion with Jesus in heaven? Wow. Wow. Standing right there before you. Hmm. A little over 2,000 years after God made the first covenant with Abraham, Jesus came to fulfill God's perfect plan and became the sacrificial lamb for us all. Jesus brought us the new covenant. Under the old covenant, sins were atoned or covered for by the blood sacrifice of animals. Under the new covenant, our sins are forgiven forever. We are washed clean. We're made white as snow by the blood of Jesus. Under the Old Covenant, Abraham was counted righteous. Under the New Covenant, we are made the righteousness of God. We are made right before God. Hallelujah. Jeremiah chapter 31, verses 31 through 34 of the King James Version. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, Not according to the covenant I have made with their fathers in that day that I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, which my covenant they broke. Although I was a husband unto them, saith the Lord, but this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, saith the Lord, I will put my law in their inward parts and write it in their hearts and will be their God and they shall be my people and they shall teach no more every man his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me from the least of them unto the greatest of them, saith the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sin no more. And some say, Okay, but God said he would make the covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. I'm not Jewish, so he's not including me. Well, let's read Galatians chapter 3, verses 26-29. through 29. For ye are all children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither bond nor free. There is neither male nor female. For ye are all one in Christ Jesus. And if ye be Christ, then ye are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. So yes, if you have accepted Jesus Christ, you have been grafted into the house of Israel as Abraham's seed. Now, remember in podcast 10, we talked about the making of blood covenants. Now, let's look at Jesus and the new covenant and how it applies and how it fits here. So we learned that under the blood covenant, the individuals entering into a blood covenant may offer up the robe or coat as being symbolic of offering themselves, even their life, if need be, to the other. Well, Jesus, he went all the way right from the start. Jesus entered the new covenant knowing and saying that he was offering up his life for us as the lamb for the blood sacrifice. They may exchange weapons or their girdle, which was a belt that holds their knives or swords or weapons, signifying that they are there to fight each other's battles to the death. Jesus, he didn't just commit to be there to fight our battles to the death. Jesus was tortured for us. He was beaten, whipped, hanged on the cross. He died for us, spilled his blood for us, but it didn't end there. No, on the third day, Jesus arose victorious. He arose defeating Satan, death, hell, and the grave. Jesus fought our battles and won. He paraded Satan, and God paraded Satan and the principalities, the rulers of darkness, the spiritual wickedness in high places. He paraded them around and made a show of them, triumphing over them as he stripped them from all authority. He stripped the authority from them, and he gave it. The Lord God gave it to Jesus. He gave him all authority in heaven and earth at that time. All right, let's look at Colossians chapter 2, verses 10 through 15, the American King James Version. And you are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power, in whom also you are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands, in putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ buried with him in baptism, wherein also you were risen with him through the faith of the operation of God who has raised him from the dead, and you being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, has he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross, and having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. Revelations chapter 1, verses 17 and 18, American King James Version. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead, and he laid his right hand on me, saying to me, Fear not, I am the first and the last. I am he that lives and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore, amen, and have the keys of death and of hell. It actually says I have the keys of hell and of death. They may exchange the names under the blood covenant. I'm jumping backwards. So they may exchange names or parts of names. We are called Christians now, followers of Christ, the anointed one. So under the blood covenants, they will stand in front of witnesses and proclaim the terms of the covenant. You know, Jesus taught and proclaimed throughout his ministry on this earth. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by him. I don't have the time here to cover all of the terms Jesus proclaimed, but they can all be found in the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and throughout the New Testament, which is our new covenant. Under a blood covenant, they will pronounce a blessing and a curse. And seeing the multitudes, He, Jesus, went up into a mountain, and when He was set, His disciples came to Him, and He opened His mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. Throughout the Gospels, Jesus speaks of the curse uh, or what will happen to those who do not accept him, and that is eternal damnation. So under the blood covenant, they will share a covenant meal where they break bread and drink wine. Now, we just covered the Last Supper, and Jesus broke the bread and told the disciples, This is my body. And he poured the wine and said, This is my blood which is poured out as a sacrifice for you. Now the blood covenant is sealed by the shedding of blood. And Jesus became the sacrificial lamb. He died once for all time for the remission of all of our sins. A memorial is made as a sign to remind them and all future generations. Well, Jesus at the Last Supper said, Do this in remembrance of me. Now let's read what the Apostle Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Verses 23 through 32 of the American King James Version. For I have received the Lord, that which also I delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. After the same manner also he took the cup when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do you. As oft as you drink it, in remembrance of me, for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, do you show the Lord's death till he come. Why, whoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eats and drinks unworthily eats and drinks damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body, for this cause, many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord that we should not be condemned with the world. Now, we have been given the Holy Communion, the Holy Sacrament, the Lord's Table, Eucharist. Are there many names used by different people. But they all represent us remembering the Lord Jesus and the sacrifice he made for all of us, for the stripes and wounds in his broken body and for his blood that was shed for our eternal salvation. Praise be to God and our Lord Jesus Christ. And we are out of time again. Uh, Join us for the next podcast. We're going to pick back up right here. We're going to be talking about the new covenant and what it means to us today. I want to thank you for listening. May God bless you and keep you today and every day as we grow in faith and live the faith life 365 days per year.